Welcome, whiskey lovers, to the Bakersfield Whiskey Society podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Michael Roberts, along with Tim McNeely. And our guest here today is John Pauley, who's the district manager of Northern California of Terlato Distel Art- Art- Artisan Spirits. And that is a mouthful. I think I need to have a, a whiskey or two to be able to, to, to rattle that off. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast. John? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Michael, I just want to tell you, we are downtown at Chef's Choice Noodle Bar, and we're getting ready to do a whiskey event tonight, and it's oh, going to be fantastic. fantastic. We've got such an amazing portfolio of spirits, and I just couldn't be more excited about tonight. And so, so John, why don't we just start off a little bit about you? How did, how did you get started in this business? Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a long story that I, that I will shorten as quickly as I can. Uh, my family actually had a beer and wine distributing company in San Francisco. Uh, in the in the greater barrier for about 45 years mm-hmm. and so i've been in the alcoholic beverage industry almost my entire life from being eight years old climbing all over the boxes to being a sales manager to moving you know to different companies now since we sold that business 30 years ago and so um what i do now is is you know i've kind of stayed in the industry i really really like it and uh uh, I just I enjoy all all of the alcohol beverages, you know, the beer, wine, spirits, whatever. And I and and getting to try new things and going to try new things is is half the half the fun of being in this industry. So it's fun for me to be able to bring this stuff to, to people that have never tasted it before. So and what makes your product line of whiskeys unique? Well, we are uh, we have three distilleries, mm-hmm. and all three are owned by uh, a company that we are in partnership with. Mm-hmm. We are fifty fifty partners with a company called Distel, and what makes them unique is each one of the distilleries tries to do something different than the distilleries in their area. So, hmm. for instance, one of the ones we're going to be working uh, trying tonight is called Bunahaven. Bunahaven means mouth of the river in Gaelic. Uh, it's a it's a it's a mouthful to say. However, it is the only distillery on isla that makes non-peated scotches all the time they hmm. make uh, age statement scotches they make non-age statement scotches and 80 percent of what we make is non-peated which is odd hmm. for isla you know you right. think of isla you think of lafroig like volan ardbeg colila all those that are just those heavily peated scotches and those are great but buna haben does something different that allows us to show off the scotch itself with mm. the, the Isla scotch, the water, the barley, the, 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 the distilling process without having the peat to mask some of the flavors. Mm. Uh, Deanston doesn't want to be your, your, your dad's scotch. It doesn't want to do the same thing as all the other Highland scotches. Mm. They make two, two, two expressions all the time. Everything else they make, four to five different uh, expressions, are limited. They, they come out once in a while. They come out only once. Uh, they make a you know uh, some stuff that's aged only in sherry casks. They made hmm. a Pedro Jimenez. They make an Oloroso. They made uh, all different types of things. And then the final one is uh, Tobermory Distillery, which six months of the year makes a peated scotch, which is called Lechig. Mm-hmm. Six months of the year they make a non-peated scotch. So hmm. each one of our distilleries, to make a long story longer, each one of our <laughs> distilleries is tries to do something unique for either for its region or just in general. Hmm. And so so that's kind of a I think a cool thing and. I'm honored to be able to sell this stuff because I, I, I honestly have worked in, in jobs in the past that I didn't really like some of the products. <laughs> and now everything that I sell, I actually drink. So it's kind of fun. And what are some of the things that we're trying tonight here at the tasting? So um, we are going to do four non-peated scotches to begin with. Two from Boonahaven and two from Deanston. And they are our flagship 
products. Mm. And the reason I start with those is because I want people to know what they are going to find in in general uh, liquor stores in BevMo and places like that. You know mm-hmm, I mean? Places mm-hmm. that you're going to walk into and you're going to find this stuff. We're also going to try a cask strength um, sherry bomb that is uh, from Deanston that is, is uh, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. We're going to try a peated expression from Bunahaben, which is odd, but it's, it's a new thing that they have that is actually aged in sherry casks, uh, 50% of it in sherry casks, mm-hmm. uh, to give it a little bit of a sherry tang you know, to it. Sure. Uh, and then we're going to uh, finish off with a peated product from the Isle of Mull. Hmm. Uh, it's a 10-year-old heavily peated product. but And I'll go into this, obviously, tonight with everybody. But it's more vegetal because the type of peat that they use just has more vegetation in it than what you get on Isla, hmm. you know, from, from the Isle of Mull. And then uh, what we're going to actually finish with is a, an Amaro. Most people aren't familiar with Amaro, but Amaro is an Italian after-dinner drink uh, that is a... Just Evo, Aperitivo, whatever you want to call it, but it's a, a beautiful little um, grappa that is infused with uh, about thirty-five different ingredients. So mm. I mean, I, I, it should be it should be a good night. And that's yeah. tasty. And that's yeah. also one of the reasons why not only did this event sell out, but it over. <laughs> sold out <laughs> to which uh to which tim is sitting there grumbling and shaking his head and and uh I, we're gonna have a great time tonight so it's all good stuff it's all good stuff yeah well john you know you, you hit on something that that we also share with you and that's the the love of trying new things mm-hmm. you know to to sit down and for me to go out and buy seven bottles on my own that's crazy right but as a society we're able to to come together and try everything at once and that's the beauty of it. And, you know, I always tell people we love geeking out about whiskey. We love getting technical. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, drink what you like, not what right. someone else tells you. Exactly. And, you know, I'll tell you, I, got, I love the Buna Hop, and I, I really do. It's, you know, and I love the peated stuff, too, right? I think yeah. Isla, I think someone punching me in the face. I, <laughs> I think Grandpa's medicine cabinet. But there's also times where it's just nice to go to an Isla whiskey, and, and you get all of that without the peat. Yep. And so talk to us a little bit about kind of how that came about and, and maybe the history of Bunahaven. So Bunahaven's been around since, you know, the 1800s. But um, they originally were a, just like everybody else, the only way to cook the barley, to, to, to make it sprout so that they could then ferment it, was to use peat. That was the, the burning source that they had on that island. Right. Um, in, in, about, in or around 1960... Uh, there was a company that came to Bunahaben and said, hey, we're going to make a blended scotch. We really like your scotch, but we've had it, bef- you know, that's not peated. We've had some of your non-peated stuff, and we would like you to make non-peated stuff that we could put into our blend. And mm-hmm. here's, here's the, the parameters of what we're looking for for the flavor. So they actually started doing that back in 1960, and it became such a large brand that... Um, and it's actually Cuddy Sark is the, is the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it became such a large brand that most of what Bunahaven was making was a non-peated scotch. Hmm. And so uh, they decided in the early 70s to kind of continue that, to be the different one. I think at the time there were eight distilleries. Now there's ten <laughs> but um, on, on the Isle, on Isla, uh, which is the island uh, due west of, of Scotland mainland. Uh, they, they decided to continue it. And mm. so what they've done is they've aged some. They've got, you know, different age statements. Uh, we just last year released a 46-year-old 
Wow. Um, you know, scotch, there was only about 190 bottles because it was just two barrels, and that's what ended up coming out of it was 190 bottles. Um, but anyway, the uh, Bunahaven is a, um, a brand that kind of came about on the, on the non-peated side because of a, someone who wanted to, to mm. buy a bunch of product from them. Hmm. You know? Fascinating. And ask me later about Deanston on the same sort of thing. Uh, well, I, yeah. I plan on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You read his mind. Yes, you did. So one of the things I wanted to ask you on, on a personal note is you, you come from the family business mm-hmm. of being in the, in the business. Right. And why did you not continue with in the family business right. and chose to go work for somebody else? Well, in California, we do not have franchise laws. So in other words, if you, if you are a distributor mm-hmm. and a, you build up a brand, you have no protection to keep it. They can mm-hmm. take it away at any point. They can, the, the, um, the maker of the product can say, okay, well, you know, we want to go now to this distributor who has more salespeople, more trucks, and we want to move. And they don't have to pay you anything. They don't have to do anything at all. Hmm. Um, and in the beer and wine side of things, it became quite difficult because in the mid-90s is about when Southern and Young's and the, and, and, and the larger distributors really started growing mm. and really started, you know, they, they became statewide. They started doing a lot of things that we just couldn't compete with. So right. our family decided that it wouldn't make sense to continue. It was getting more and more difficult to get new brands. Mm-hmm. And then if you did get them, to keep them. Right, you right. Know, we built up a small little brand called Dos Equis from nothing <laughs> to where we were, you know, selling truckloads a week right. of, of that product. And then they decided to go to another distributor who had twice as many salespeople and three times as many trucks. And, you know, and, and, and it, was the, it was the nature of the business. Right. So um, when, when we sold the business, um, my grandfather got lucky and, and uh, made a few dollars and got to uh, play the horses and, and have a good time until he... Uh, he passed on and uh, spent about 10 years just goofing off. And so nice. good for him. And, you know, nice. and, and you love to hear that. And, and because I knew the business, I knew, what a, I knew what certain things meant in the business and how they worked. I got a couple job offers and stayed in the business. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I could have gone and done something else, but I liked it. I enjoyed it. And so they, um, uh, I went to work for Diageo, who is a, a very large company mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. owns, you know, little tiny brands like Smirnoff and, and, Jack, and uh, Johnny Walker. Right, and, right, uh, right. And so, you know, I got to do things that I, I probably would have never got to do uh, and learn things that I, you know, that, that uh, I would have never learned in the family business. And I, and I grew to really, really enjoy it. And, um, you know, you bring it up, that you brought up this, but um, my first taste of scotch, a friend of mine who loves scotch, brought, um, brought me some and it was a heavily peated Isla scotch. And I was like... Why does anybody drink this? Because your first scotch really shouldn't be right. It tastes like band aids. It shouldn't, or, or a campfire, right? Or a campfire. you know, I always tell everybody, it's like I feel like I'm drinking something, and the, I'm sitting at a campfire, and every time I move, the wind changes direction, keeps hitting me in the face. <laughs> now I love them, right? Right. But um, somebody else said, "Well, try this one instead," and I actually, and it was actually Bunahaven. Mm. So I got to try mm. a ten-year-old Bunahaven at the time, and which is now a twelve-year-old, and I just, I really, I really liked it. So this was. Gosh, 15 years ago, and I've, I've been with this company now three, so I've been drinking Bunahaven a lot longer than I've known, <laughs> you know, known that much about it. But it, it kind of got me on that path, you know. And, uh, you know, and so I, I, when I got this, this opportunity to, to work here, it was I couldn't say no. Sure. But I've been in the industry quite a while, and I just I like the, 
I, I like the restaurants and the bars and all the mm. things that I get to do and the travel and all that yeah. sort of thing. So it's a fun. Cool. Now, you touched on age statements a little yeah. bit. And right, there's, I don't know if you call it a trend or, or what it is, but right, mm-hmm. there's a lot of non-age statement products coming right. out. And I find them great. I, sure. I, I've had wonderful aged ones and wonderful non-aged, and I've had bad sure. ones of both too. And so among kind of your sales, do you see a, a trend or do you see a resistance to non-age statement? Or is, there, or is that still that perception that you need an aged whiskey to be good? You know, um, it's not what well, one of the things I'm noticing is that the age statement where I'm getting the resistance is from the people that buy their whiskey to share with friends and they want to be able to say, I am mm. giving you a 12 year or a 15 uh, year or a 20 yeah, year scotch. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if it, you're sitting at home and you're drinking a non age statement whiskey that you enjoy drinking, right. it kind of doesn't matter. Right. Um, and, and what we're what we're starting to see is that the non-age statement scotches, not just ours, but but of a lot of them, are starting to get those higher scores. They're starting right. to get the double gold. They're starting yeah. to get the things that are going to help them along. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think in the at the end of the day, I really think that it, it, it's going to matter less. Right. Um, for the everyday scotches. Now, you know, if you're buying somebody a gift, you, you probably, you, maybe you do want it to say 10 or 12 or 15 years on it. But if you're buying, you know, if you're buying it for yourself, you don't, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and one of the things that I've been finding, too, is in this day and age, people really like personalized gifts, mm-hmm. something that is unique to that one person. And one of the things that I've been finding is that if you want to give the ultimate personalized gift, if you give a non-age statement whiskey to somebody, what you're telling them is, is I don't have to rely on a number to tell me that this tastes good right. and that you and I have a good enough friendship together that you know that you are trusting me with this non-aged whiskey yep. that is something that I like and you will too. And, and, I, and, and you the, know, it's, 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 and to, to take a um, uh, something from the wine industry, uh, it, every time you go buy a Kendall Jackson Chardonnay, mm-hmm. and I don't work for the company, but if you, you know, you, every time you go buy a Kendall Jackson Chardonnay, it doesn't matter what vintage it is, it probably the tastes the same. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because they, they blend it from thousands of barrels of, of, of Chardonnay to, to get mm-hmm. that same taste. Right. And, and the, you know, I, I don't have quite the palate to tell the difference, but you, uh, P, I, I've had people tell me your Bunahaven 12 tastes different this year than it did a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. or your whatever tastes slightly different. It's, this one's a little bit more brinier, or this one's a little bit more th- this or that, a little nuttier, or whatever the, the flavors they're getting. Um, the, the whole idea behind a non-age statement mm-hmm. is so that it's consistent, mm-hmm. that it tastes basically the same every single time you get it. Right. And, and so I think that that plays on both the fact that you trust it, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to keep buying it, if you like it, and you're going to give it to a friend, but also that you know that next year it's going to be the same product. Right. You know, which you don't always get with whiskeys. And, and I think that's one of the unique things about whiskey, which I, I happen to like. It's also one of those things that I think that most consumers who don't do this every day like I do, mm-hmm. you know, um, would would love to know that they're going to get the same thing every time they buy it. Yeah, no, I, I think the wine analogy is perfect, right? Take champagne or take Portugal, right? Your ports and champagnes. Champagne has consistently bad wine 
every single year. <laughs> That's why it's so rare to have a vintage champagne. Right. right. It, because it's only rare years, right? They're blending for consistency. Yep. Same with Portugal and the ports, right? They blend for consistency. Yeah. And unless it's an extra special year where all the producers vote on it, you don't get a vintage. And so... You yeah. know, it, while age does play a role, and, and sometimes given age bottles are fun. My wife had a 40th birthday, and it was a lot of fun to find a 40-year-old bottle to mm, give her. Nice. Because you start looking at that, and you're like, that's a long time. Right? That liquid has seen wars and regime changes and president changes. Exactly. And, right? It's seen a lot of history. So, so you get that sense of time with it, and that's what I enjoy about that. Absolutely. But once again, right, there's fantastic stuff across the entire spectrum. Mm-hmm. So. Does Terlato Distel do odd numbered years in any of their bottle, uh, any of the, or represent any of the distilleries that do that? For example, there are numerous other uh, distilleries that won't do, they'll do odd numbers instead of the 10, 12, 15. Mm-hmm. They'll have the 11 and the 17 year or the 21 year and, and right. odd numbers like that. Did yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, a little while ago I mentioned that Deanston doesn't want to be your. Your, your father's scotch. It mm-hmm. wants to be different. So the two most recent releases are actually a 15-year-old organic mm-hmm. and a 9-year-old that was eight, matured for the entire 9 years in red uh, Bordeaux casks. So wow. red wine Bordeaux, mm. um, and it was the entire the entire 9 years. Now, it, they're limited, and I bring it up here, but you, you can't find it anymore. It's gone. Mm-hmm. We, we got uh, 200 cases in California and about six, 500 for the country, and they went in and out, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you can find some online, but but they definitely do. The, you know, they did a nine and a fifteen recently. Um, for some reason, Bunahab and all does does even number years, with the exception of their twenty five year old. Mm-hmm. Their twenty five is an odd number, but twenty five is also one of those that is. Uh, everybody seems everybody seems to have a twenty five year old Scotch, right? You know. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's move from Islay to the Highlands. And, can, uh, I, can I back up a oh, second, yeah, real quick? Please do. You mentioned age, you know, ages and that sort of thing. And one of the things that most people don't realize is that there are rules with Scotch. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, one of the things that you have to do with Scotch is it has to be aged for three years in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most Scotches start off in ex bourbon casks nowadays. And so um, if you see something that says. Uh, it was aged in Oloroso sherry, or it was aged in a port barrel, or it was aged in this or that. Chances are, it probably started in an ex bourbon. So, know that we buy we we being just Scottish uh, mm-hmm. or scotches in general, uh, buy from Tennessee and and, and uh, Kentucky and Indiana and all that. They they buy used bourbon barrels, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's important for people to know because some of the flavors that you get are going to come from whatever was in there before. And right. so, um, you know, it, it, I think it's important to know that each whiskey that you buy, whether it be, you know, Japanese or, or American bourbon or Scotch or Irish, they all have their differences. Um, and, you know, and that's something we could, we could possibly go into later or on another mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, <laughs> so. No, very true, right? It's, it's those, those ages and mm-hmm. ex-bourbon casks. Why do they typically do bourbons, the ex-bourbon cask? Because uh, it hasn't always been that way, has no, it? No, um, and, and, and the story I've heard is that... Um, <laughs> They're burp- cheap. <laughs> no, exactly. In, in essence, yes. And, um, and Jim Beam's got a yeah. great sale on, on exactly. a bunch of them. Because yeah. you can use a, a bourbon cask how many times? Yeah, you can use a bourbon cask once. There and you I, go. And that's exactly what I was going to tell you. So when you make bourbon, you're only allowed to use a new American oak cask, and you're only allowed to use it one time. Right. Uh, and after that, you you must get rid of it. You must it must not be on your premises, you know, unless you're you know you cut it in half and use it as a 
you know, to something to bear, uh, um, plant stuff in. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, so what they do is they get to make a couple dollars. I, I, you know, those, those casks can cost thousands of dollars new, and they make a couple hundred bucks back, right? You know, right. and so that's what they do. They sell it to us, and so instead of us paying $1,000 for a, a barrel, we get to pay two or $300 for it, um, plus whatever the shipping is across the, st- you know, the, across the, the pond. pond. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, so, yeah, so moving on from Islay to the mm-hmm. Highlands now. So w- what do we have in the Highlands that we'll be tasting tonight? So we're going to be tasting a, a brand called Deanston. And, and Deanston uh, was uh, started in 1966. They didn't have their first vintage till around 70. Um, for about 200 years, the, uh, the location where the Deanston distillery is was a, um, a cotton mill. Hmm. And uh, it closed in the, in the 50s and it sat idle for quite a while. And it moved, uh, or, or they, they uh, rebuilt it and redid it. Uh, mm. But one of the things that I think is cool is they kept is they kept the, um, it's not actually a wheel anymore, but it's, it's, a, it's a water wheel. It's a, it's a hydroelectric plant. Mm-hmm. You, originally, it was a wheel that spun from the mo- motion of the water. Now it's a hydroelectric plant that actually uh, makes enough electricity. Uh, to run the entire uh, distillery, and then they also sell back to the grid. So they have hmm. a z- their their electric bill is zero, <laughs> and then they actually sell some back to the to the, the the city, and the city uses uses quite a bit of it. Um, but it it, it was uh, started in 1966, and they um, are about one hour outside of Edinburgh on mm-hmm. the Teeth River. And the Teeth is a, uh, I guess it's one of the main rivers that runs down into the, the main bay where the Edinburgh mm-hmm. sits on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's, uh, um, I, I think one of my favorite stories about the, the city that it's in is, uh, is uh, the city's called Dune. And um, <laughs> if, if anybody out there is a Monty Python fan, there is a Dune Castle. Mm. And the Dune Castle is uh, where they... Uh, they did the trebuchet or the catapult of the of the cows up over top of the wall uh, in in the in the movie and uh, and so that's it that's made less than a mile from the distillery so if you ever go you get to see the Dune Castle and the uh, Deanston Distillery which has quite a nice tour and what makes their whiskeys and scotches so unique well when they started they found they could ferment the barley for up to 125 hours. Hmm. Usually, uh, you have to stop the fermentation process at about 90. 90. Most stop it at 85 or 90. Mm-hmm. And if, if you don't, it, and, and, and the best um, explanation I've heard is if you go too long, it starts to kind of sour. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, they can go to 125. And so hmm. they go to at least 120 and usually to 125. And everybody's like, okay, big deal. You're just, it's just sitting there kind of doing not, not a whole lot. But mm-hmm. what happens is, is all Deanston whiskeys have a honey finish. Hmm. Um, and with that honey finish uh, that they found back in the 70s when they started releasing the product is, uh, you know, Diageo came running and said, hey, we want that for Johnny Walker. Hmm. So it is actually one of the, one of the products that's in, one of the, in the blend of Johnny, Johnny Walker. We sell them quite a bit of product every year. Hmm. And I bring that up because um, it, it, it gives us a, a base of, of a way to sell this product, you know, who to sell it to. And then we get to then take all that and, and make our own stuff. So they just buy the normally aged product. Mm-hmm. They don't buy any of our special stuff, obviously, because mm-hmm. it goes into their blend. Right. Um, you know, w- which allows Deanson, allows the, the distiller to then make a, 
a, a virgin oak, which is finished in, an, uh, in a new oak barrel, which hardly mm. anybody does. Right. Um, it, it allows us to do the Oloroso sherry. It allows us to do Pedro Jimenez. It allows us mm. to do the red wine Bordeaux barrels that I mentioned earlier. So it allows us to do some things that are just a little different. And they're doing some organic stuff too then, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we had a 14-year-old last year, which um, was good, but but honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of. It, mm. it, it, I don't feel like whatever they, the char they did on the barrels was enough to give it that extra flavor and the oakiness and that sort of the 15 year old came out about six months ago and it is considerably better and for uh, our listeners who don't know what an organic is tell us what that is well in in the united states you can say things like grown organically mm-hmm. or you can say you know organic grapes or organic barley or organic corn mm-hmm. in the u in the u in the uk and in the eu you have to do everything from start to finish completely organically mm-hmm. so the um, the barley was grown organically. Mm. Any barrels that we use that had anything else in them have to be completely scraped. So they take as much of a quarter of an inch off of a barrel. Wow. Mm. Heavily char it now mm-hmm. so that there's no chance of anything that wasn't an organic product. I don't know what our non-organic is, but <laughs> a rock maybe. Um, but, the, you know, the, it allow, it, they have to kind of do that. And then anything, anything they use to filter, they can't use things that may not be organic when they filter it. Hmm. Um, and then um, I think that might be the, the extent of it for, for whiskey. But, you know, it, it has to be organic start to finish. There, there can't be anything added to it that's, that's not. Hmm. Yeah. So it's a little different. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's good stuff. I mean, I, I've seen it in, in a few places and I've had it a few times. And yeah. I really like the 15-year-old. And I, I'm excited about the virgin oak. I always find that adds some fun flavors. Yeah. And so what are some things that we should be expecting from that tonight? So with the virgin oak... Um, you, you tend to get a little bit more heat. Uh, it's only aged in the six or seven year range, you know, mm-hmm. it's up to eight, but it's a blend of a bunch of stuff. Um, so you get a little more heat. You, you, you get that, uh, that, that um, 92.6 proof comes through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also with the, with the virgin oak, you, you are going to get an oakiness that you don't normally get with, hmm. uh, with whiskeys. You know, the... Um, um, while they they may be sitting in an oak cask for t- ten or twelve or fifteen years, um, a lot of the what was in it before will mask some of that some of that oak. What it was in it before will actually have taken out some of those oak flavors. Mm. Uh, with the virgin oak, it definitely you, you get an oakiness to it that's a little different than than most. Uh, it, it, I would say it's more similar to a an american whiskey hmm. uh, except that it's made with with barley instead of corn mm-hmm. you know and so the barley definitely you know has a different flavor to it but it's it's more similar it's the one that's going to be most similar to an american whiskey now, now are they charring those oak casks yes okay um they char the oak casks uh the the uh, on the virgin oak they do a light char because they want to get that oak mm-hmm. it's not heavily charred and they don't ch- and they don't char the butts okay so it's just the, the oh, barrel itself the yeah okay Nice. Yeah, it's just the staves, exactly. All right. um, one of the things I wanted to mention about all of our whiskeys is they are all non-chill filtered. And I don't know if it was something we were going to bring up later, but non-chill filtering is a, um, is a, is a process to w- where a lot of whiskeys, I don't know, 50 or 60 years ago, started chilling the whiskey down to zero degrees and what mm-hmm. that does is it makes all of the the fats and the oils and the cottages and that sort of stuff they they all tend to coagulate mm-hmm. and they come out easily in the mm-hmm. filtration process mm-hmm. we don't do that with any of ours we do it at room temperature so some of those oils not a lot but some of the oils some of the 
those 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 fatty pieces will make it through the filtration process. So when you when you when you drink our scotches, they all um, have a long finish. You get that, mm. that that film on your tongue, almost like um, almost like butter when you mm. add butter to a, a sauce or something, and it and it, and it sits in your tongue, and it, it'll, it, you get a, that long. You keep tasting it for minutes later. Um, the, that's the upside. You get those great flavors, and you keep tasting things for a long time afterwards. Um, the downside, if there is one, and, and something I think everyone should know, is if you put water in our scotch or if you put ice in our scotch, it will get little striations of, of cloudiness in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's supposed to do that. And that's because it is just b- very slightly separating some of those those oils from the from yeah, well, whiskey. Right. It's, like, it's like freezing water, essentially, right? right? And when you're chill filtering something, you are solidifying all those different you know fats yep. and oils in it because the freezing point of alcohol is really really low right and so when they filter it like you said you're take i always say you're taking out all the goodies <laughs> but yet at the same time right there's times where you know you do want something that's filtered because maybe you do want to serve something on the rocks or someone and you want it clear and you want that presentation right. but no i i think the flavors of the the non-chill filtered are real nice and yeah. you get that oiliness the lasting flavor to it Tell us a little bit about the final beverage of the evening that we're having as we, well, as we travel back to the islands. Yeah, so the final whiskey we're going to try is, uh, is called Lechig. It's, it's a weird spelling and, and everything. That, how, do, that, how do you spell Lechig? L-E-D-A-I-G. You'd think it was Ledeg, <laughs> but in, in Gaelic, uh, a D-A makes a ch sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've heard it spelled Lechig, or say, uh, said Lechig and Lechig. Um, and actually, both of those from people from Scotland. So now I really <laughs> don't know uh, what the proper thing is, but it is a ch sound at, at any rate. Um, Lechig comes from the Isle of Mull. Mm-hmm. It's made at the Tobermory Distillery. It's the only distillery on Mull. And uh, like I mentioned, uh, Tobermory makes uh, a non-peated product, which is their Tobermory brand six months of the year. Mm-hmm. Then they clean out the distillery and they make. Uh, uh, peated product and all of their peated product is under the Lechig brand name mm. uh, what we're going to be doing tasting today is a, a 10 year old Lechig we're going to finish with um, with that uh, because I tend to like to finish with the the, the peated items so that uh, it doesn't ruin your, your palate for something else um, Lechig uses peat that is from and I, and I mentioned some of this earlier but it uses peat from that island and it is different than the the Lefroigs and the Lagavulins and the Bunahaben that you're going to taste tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, it is different because uh, it, it, it has a different makeup. Mm. You know, peat takes thousands of years to compact and become, in essence, like a charcoal. Mm-hmm. Um, and what whatever is in the peat on the Isle of Mull is just it's a slightly different flavor. So you're, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm curious to see what people think of the difference between the peated Isla that you're going to try and the peated uh, Mull product mm. that you're going to try mm. tonight. Yeah, now Isle of Mull, you've got the uh, the Hebrides Islands right there. The yeah. Bakersfield Symphony just uh, <laughs> played uh, Hebrides Overtone a couple weeks, probably a couple months ago nice. now. But, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. So Isle of Mull, Hebrides Islands, special places. And yeah. if it inspires music, it can inspire whiskey too. Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, one, of the, one of the cool things about uh, the Isle of Mull is if you uh, when you take the, um, the, 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 the trolley in, or the, not the trolley, the... Um, the boat, the boat, the ferry. Uh, ferry. Thank you very much. Uh, when you take the ferry in, the where you come into the port, all of the houses are painted um, a slightly different color. They're all two and three story, uh, right there on the, oh, the boardwalk, mm-hmm. right there on the front, and they're all t- painted a different color. 
Hmm. And so what Tobermory Distillery did was is uh, each one of the the cap colors mm-hmm. is one of the colors of those houses. Oh, how cool. Wow. Yeah. So if you look at very, a picture of the, the port of, of Mull and, and then look at uh, some of the, the Tobermory and Lechig products, mm-hmm. you'll see the house colors yeah. on the top of the, the bottle. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and now we're, we're going to finish the night with something special, too. You brought yes. a bonus for us. I brought a bonus. Uh, I mean, at the Whiskey Society, we're always trying to up our game, right. and we appreciate it when people help us do that uh-huh. by bringing special, unannounced things. So we are always pleased. Tell us about Absolutely. the last thing we're going to be enjoying. So the last thing we're going to try is a Digestivo. It's a perfect finish to the night. It, it's a great product to, to drink after having a, you know, a few scotches or after dinner. Uh, the product's called Nonino Amaro. Nonino is the family name. And Amaro is, basically, it's Italian for bitter. Uh, you know, th- there are things that people will know, like Fernet, and, um, uh, you know, th- there's quite a few brands out there. Most Amaros are locally made. And so what they do is they take the, the local products that you can get, the, the, the flowers or the, 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 the herbs and the spices and the, the trees and that sort of thing, and they, and they blend it into their Amaro. So they have 10 or 12 or 15 different things, some of them you know, even 20. Uh, this one, what makes it special is it's, it's made near Venice, hmm. and they've been making it since 1933. Uh, the uh, recipe has not changed, but since 1933, they've been able to get 35 to 40 different products to put into this. So what you're going to taste is just a, oh my gosh. You know, a, a ton of, of flavors of citrus and, and flour and, 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 and nutmeg and cinnamon and all mm. kinds of things that they, they were able to get from the Far East because Venice is a, a major port. Right. And they've always been able to get this stuff. So mm. it's been made for, you know, we're coming up on 85, 86 years now that they've mm. been making this product, and it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but it's one of those that, is uh, is gr- not just great for finishing off the night, but it mixes well with whiskey. Um, mm. uh, I don't generally put it with scotch, quite frankly. I usually um, will will do three to one with one with one of my favorite American whiskeys, and mm. it um, just adds a little oomph to it. It's almost like a an Italian Manhattan. So would that be a you know a, yeah a Milano? I don't know. Okay, oh, how yeah. fun! <laughs> Very cool. Well, Bakersfield whiskey lovers. This is the reason why you've got to come to the tastings, because we have wonderful, wonderful uh, whiskeys and, and scotches, mm-hmm. as well as presenters uh, like John Pauly here from uh, Torlado Distel Artisan Spirits, who's giving us a great presentation, looking forward to having a wonderful tasting tonight. If any of these whiskeys sounded interesting, where can they find them here in town? Well, I'll tell you. I, I did my research, and uh. Uh, one of my favorite places in Bibe, or you can go over to the Padre. And I know Beverage House, I think, is over on coffee. And there's also Green Acres or some of the places that, that we can pick these up here in town. John, I can't thank you enough. I have learned so much from you. Every time we sit down to do one of these, I love geeking out over this. I love hearing the stories. And we, like, literally just, like, barely scratch the surface of your portfolio Absolutely. of things that you cover. We, we could geek out on this all night, but we have a tasting to get to. Yeah. Sounds thank good. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Sounds good. You have a good night. Thank you. All right.